Hey guys, I'm Vijay, a PhD student in Uppsala in Sweden. You may have heard from me in Monologue 8 where I spoke about a unique population of macrophages associated with nerves and they were known as nerve-associated macrophages. These cells did something quite unexpected of macrophages and it is really interesting to know about these macrophages and the variety of functions they perform. You should check out that episode if you haven't or you know maybe you want a refresher about it. It took a while to find something which I wanted to share among the huge pool of very interesting articles that have been coming out quite often in this field. As I was going through my regular day which includes procrastinating like everyone else, severely doubting my career choices, yes I do that, and looking for research papers in my domain, I came across a very intriguing article that I thought is worth sharing with everyone. This article talks about how the pancreas interacts with one of the cranial nerves. Did you just ask what are cranial nerves? Well, thanks for asking. Cranial nerves are a set of nerves that originate from the back of our brains. If the idea of listening to a podcast about cranial nerves make you frown, then you should remember that it's the fifth cranial nerve also called the trigeminal nerve that lets you control the muscles on your face to make that frowning face. In the same way, it is the 12th cranial nerve also called the hypoglossal nerve that is allowing me to control my tongue muscle and enabling me to talk to you guys today. I know a lot of names right, okay I promise this is the last ones. The specific cranial nerve that I will be talking about today is the vagus nerve which is the 10th cranial nerve. This nerve is quite interesting due to the fact that it is further divided into the nodus ganglion and the dorsal motor nucleus. In today's episode, we will touch upon the nodus ganglion and the interaction with the pancreas. Vagus nerve plays an important role in the part of gut-brain axis, but not much is known about the activity of these nerves in correlation to the pancreas and today we will explore exactly that. This paper by Dr. Makmutova et al. from the lab of Dr. Alejandro Casido at the Miller School of Medicine, University of Miami, is aimed at identifying the means of communication between the pancreatic islets and the vagus nerves, with sensory nerves being the point of interest. Let's go through it in a more stepwise approach, from identifying the nerves to learning the possible involvement of other messengers in the same function. The first task was to identify the sensory nerves in the pancreas and this was done by staining for substance P, a sensory nerve marker. After identifying the presence of these nerves in the pancreas, the researchers then performed in vivo imaging whereby one can visually see the signaling as it occurs in the animal by using a confocal microscope. And the authors also stimulated the pancreas both externally and internally to identify the mechanism of vagal transmission from the pancreas to the brain. From this experiment, they determined that the pancreas had some kind of a connection to the brain via the vagal sensory nerves but were not sure if the islets were involved. After identifying the possible connection between the pancreas and the brain via the vagal nerves, the next step is to answer the question. Do the beta cells housed in the islets interact with the vagal sensory neurons? To answer this question, the researchers made beta cells express synthetic receptors called DREADD or let's call them DREAD. These DREADs 
can be activated by designer drugs, thus activating the cells made to express them. In this case, the beta cells which upon activation showed measurable activity in the nodus ganglion when compared to the controls that recorded almost no activity. But what is the medium of communication between the beta cells and the vagus nerves? Could it be that pancreatic motion or mechanical stress on the pancreas would result in the activation of the vagus nerve? Those of you who guessed know as the answer are absolutely right. Under mechanical stress, the pancreas did not show any sensory activity when compared to the gut that showed a very high activity. The reason behind it is to do with the fact that at physiological conditions, the pancreas do not undergo any kind of mechanical movement unlike the gut that is in constant motion. This may imply that it is some kind of a chemical stimulus that activates the nodos and the sensory nerves. Let's talk about what we know regarding the chemical stimuli affecting the neurons and the pancreas. Some molecules like serotonin and substance P activate the sensory neurons. There is a molecule called carbacol that activates the pancreas and then there is seruline that activates both the nerves and the pancreas. We also know that the beta cells secrete serotonin in a paracrine and autocrine manner. And this was seen to increase during pregnancy, lactation or high fat diet. Using staining methods and a cell-based biosensor approach, the authors were able to see serotonin secretion by beta cells. After identifying the release of serotonin, the next part was to identify the expression of the serotonin receptor 5-hydroxytryptophan-3 receptor or 5-HT3R by the vagus nerves. This would give us a direct proof that serotonin plays a major role in the communication between the beta cells and the vagus nerve. Using reporter mice, the authors identified the presence of the serotonin receptor expressing vagus nerves in the island. The next step was to identify the signal that activates these vagus nerves and live pancreatic slices were used to identify the source of the signal. The tissue was stimulated with high glucose and serotonin, thus activating the vagal sensory neurons expressing this receptor. To close in on the source of the signal, they used in vivo imaging and studied the calcium signaling in the vagus nerve post-stimulation with serotonin to see a rise in the signaling, thus proving that serotonin does play a major role in communicating between the beta cells and the vagal sensory nerves. This was an interesting finding because it shows how beta cells use chemicals to communicate with the vagus nerves and ultimately the brain. Looks like the happiness hormone does more than just make you happy, right? It works to keep our organs happy too. While that's all for this paper, I'd like to briefly highlight a couple of techniques used in this paper which caught my eye. The first one is chemogenetics. This technique involves the use of some specially designed drugs to activate the cells that are made to express synthetically designed receptors. Using conditional expression systems, specific cells can be made to express such receptors and can be activated using synthetic drugs. In this paper, beta cells were made to express these designer receptors exclusively activated by designer drugs or dreads, thus stimulating them to release excess insulin even at normal glucose levels and enabling the study. These dreads have become more specific since their invention 
and are widely used in studying the nervous system. They can be used to activate various receptors like G-protein coupled receptors or GPCRs and even ion channels thus activating downstream signaling pathway in the cells they are expressed on. I found this really interesting and learned that there are a variety of these synthetic receptors with different drugs to target and activate them. Maybe in the far future, these synthetic drugs can be used in humans to correct any genetic malfunctions or reduce diseases by activating required cells or blocking certain pathways, right? But unfortunately, we can't use conditional expression systems in humans like we do in mice. The second interesting technique I wanted to highlight was the use of live tissues for various purposes. Imagine taking advantage of the fact that some tissues are still alive for some time after being harvested from the animal and one can do tests that cannot be done on the animal directly. This was possibly the rationale behind development of the technique to use live tissues. I will highlight the technique in the pancreas. In case of the pancreas, the islets are isolated to study the impact of various cells present in them and isolating the islets is the best approach till date. However, there are downsides to this process. The process of isolation is quite strenuous and the cells undergo a mechanical and chemical stress that would alter their physiology. Also, the effects on these cells by the surrounding exocrine tissues is not understood in the individual islet study level. Using the live tissues helps maintain the tissue physiology, reduce the external stress, thus minimizing any changes in cell physiology. This approach to study pancreas has many applications ranging from understanding the morphological changes in different conditions to obtaining a detailed three-dimensional orientation of the pancreatic components, including the nerves and the blood vessels when fixed and stained. The interaction between the cells under various conditions can also be understood using these tissue slices. The most important aspect of this technique is the translational ability as human pancreas can also be made into slices and studied to understand variations or changes in the behavior under different circumstances. For example, one can treat the slices with drugs to observe any differences. But like every other technique, this one also has got its limitations. One cannot use this technique when pure samples are required for like single cell sequencing due to the contamination of other cell types as well. But using this approach, a lot of information can be obtained. There are so many interesting techniques that would give us a deeper insight into the studies we perform by too short of a time to touch everything, right? So today we have discussed several things and of course, I have introduced a lot of names to you. So let me summarize in a few lines. We have learned about the rough location in the brain that the islets communicate with. It feels like more of a Google map trying to say your destination is approximately here, but unsure about the exact point. We saw that serotonin does more than just keep us happy by being involved in the communication between the beta cells and the vagal sensory nerves. Finally, we learned about two techniques that were quite interesting. Thank you all for listening to this monologue and I hope to return with some more interesting findings. This is Vijay signing off. I hope you all have a good day and check out this space for more cool podcasts from Antibodies.